Well, as you're turning to James chapter 2, we had been talking a little about a little bit about <clears throat> some Bible study tips and how we study the Bible. And one of the first things that I did when I started actually reading through the scriptures, and I did this, I was 19 years old, I was a brand new believer, and I was meeting with a baseball player on my team, same age as me, who's about five minutes saved before me, and so we were just two guys that didn't know much, had never read the Bible, and there we were in the mornings uh, reading for about an hour. And one of the things that we did was, if you have them in your Bible, most Bibles do, they have the little cross-references. And one of the things that we did, whenever we didn't understand something, we would track the cross-references. And there were tons of things that we didn't know or understand or get, and so between the two of us, we were constantly going, oh, oh, oh hold on, hold on, Let, let's, uh, let's go look in Leviticus, let's go look in... In Genesis, let's look that up. And we just had a great time exploring the scriptures just with the simple method of just kind of following the, the cross references. Some of the things that you discover as you're just, you know, skipping along through James and you see this name Abraham and as a young believer like I was, I don't know who Abraham is. He's just some guy in James. Wrong, <laughs> Right? Abraham had a pretty long and prolific history. And we see Abraham, as I mentioned, mentioned in Romans. We see him mentioned in, in Hebrews. We are reading through right now the beginning in Genesis. And so by following those cross-references, you learn and discover, whoa, wait a minute, there's a bigger picture here. And so our study right now is looking through the progress of redemption uh, as it threads through, starting from Genesis all the way through the scriptures. Jesus Christ is in this book all over because the plan of redemption is in this book. And that comes ultimately through Jesus, not through a lamb, not through a goat, not through a calf. It comes through Jesus. And so by doing this, we, we not only gain more information and 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 more faith, but we also gain more theology. And so if you only were to read the book of James, you might come away with getting the understanding, well, uh, the only way to have faith is I have to have works, right? And so faith equals works. That means the things that I do, my tithing, my service, my, my not sinning, my putting on, my putting off, those things are my faith. Because that's what it sounds like in James chapter 2. Um, but it may it never be. And we have to look at all the scriptures. We have to look at Romans, and we will. We have to understand Genesis. And what we've been learning by looking at the life of Abraham is Abraham was saved by faith. Abraham's belief in God and leaving Ur that is what was reckoned to him as righteousness. His faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so these are the things that we're learning. We're learning the same things from our heroes in the Old Testament, that these were men and women of faith first, of faith first. And then came 
obedience. They're all sinners. All these characters are sinners before they know God. They're sinners after they meet God. This is why they all need altars to place the the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And so just because you're a Christian, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're perfect. Uh, In fact, it's the direct opposite. We see Abraham as just this human man, sinful man, and yet we see him not listed once, but twice in the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Right? As, a, as a sports fan, you know, I love things like the Hall of Fame and, you know, the, the great sports figures of the time. And it's, and it's like, wow, just, just, just consider that you would be nominated into the Hall of Fame for two different things. So, like, I know John Wooden, who is the famous basketball coach at UCLA, was in there for a player and a coach. That's very, very rare. Well, Abraham, for all his human frailty... Is, is a two-time nominee, both times. Why? Because of his, his faith. His faith. That's what the Hall of Fame of Faith is in Hebrews 11. So, we need to wrestle with, um, I was talking to John earlier today, we need to wrestle with a big matzo ball, okay? Not a little matzo ball, a big matzo ball. And the big matzo ball is there's a great threat to Christianity, a huge threat. And it's not a new threat, but it's a huge threat. And that threat is, is called easy believism. It gets kind of tied into the seeker-friendly movement. Um, and why is that such a problem? Well, that's a problem because, well, there's a response against the, the works righteousness movement. Works righteousness is the idea that the things that you do are what's going to save you, right? You'll see people become legalistic because of that. Legalistic, meaning that they think that the, the life of Christianity is only about rule following. Um, and that's dangerous in a different way. And so the response against legalism was this response towards, well, um, it, it's just all about faith. It's just all about love. It's just all about forgiveness. You'll see this in, in a lot of the modern songs nowadays. The modern songs only address the, the forgiveness, um, the mercy, the grace of God. They don't ever really wrestle with sin. I've mentioned this before. The great news, the good news of the gospel is that your sin that you have, and a lot of it, does not have to be paid for by you because of the blood of Christ. That's great news. The great news is your bank account that can't afford to pay for your sin is covered. That's great news. Why? Because you are desperately sick and wicked, because you are not righteous, because you have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. Great news. You don't have to pay that debt. Well, the only way that's great news is if we address it. If we don't ever talk about your sin, if we don't ever talk about your your frailty, well, then what's the good news? And so it's a very, very dangerous track to only uh, think one-sided about the gospel. It becomes cheap grace then. Well, you know what? Jesus died for my sin. I'll just do whatever I want to do, right? 
Romans says, may it never be. May it never be. So where's the balance? Where, where's the harmony here? Well, James is going to allow us to kind of take a look at that. And today we're going to see four elements uh, of faith works. And I love that phrase, by the way, faith works. That's a, a great way to, to understand the theology is, is it's faith and works. Okay, faith works. Not how we get saved, but how our, our life is. And I'll explain that. So the four elements are faith without works. Faith without works is dead. The second element is faith by works. The third element is faith working with works. There's a tongue twister. And then finally, faith is justified by works. Faith justified by works. Well, let's, uh, before we launch, let's define a couple terms. Um, I mentioned that it seems as though James 2 is contradicting Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say? That Abraham, hey, there's that guy. What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Remember, one of the issues here in Romans is circumcision. Okay, The Jews who are converted to Christianity have been raised that you must be circumcised, right? That's Jewish law. And so now the Jews, the Jews over here, the Jewish Christians over here are looking over there and go, hey, you guys all need to be circumcised or you're not saved. Okay, that's works, righteousness. If you don't get circumcised, you're not saved. Something that you do. If you don't, dot, 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 then you're not saved. Um, and so the issue here is circumcision, and they use Abraham as an example and say, wait a minute, time out. If Abraham was justified by works, well, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Scripture says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is reckoned as a favor. Uh, not as a favor, but what is due. So nobody can stand before the throne of God and say, you know what, God, you owe me. You owe me this. Um, there's heaven's gates right there. We're all standing in line. You know, he owes me. I don't know about you, you guys, but he owes me. Do you know what I've done? Do you know the things that I've done? And here comes Jim. Smiling, he just kind of shows his. He just shows his card, you know. Listen, all I know, I don't know anything. I didn't do anything. I just have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. He's in. I'm out. He's in. I'm out. Okay. And so we see this verse five. But to the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is reckoned as righteous. His faith is reckoned as righteous. Okay, back to James 2. So we go back to James 2. 
Faith is reckoned as righteous. Faith is reckoned as righteous, right? You guys got that? Faith is reckoned as righteous. Verse 14, James 2. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Huh? Can faith save him? Verse 17, even so, if it has no works, it's dead. And so what are we what are we seeing here? It sounds like we see a contradiction. It sounds like we see two opposing views, but you have to think of it more as a, as a harmony, as a harmonization. Okay, so James 2, and this is where sometimes the original language really helps because in the original language of Greek, um, dekalio is the word or the phrase justified. So you're justified, which is to be shown righteous or demonstrate, okay? So this is a demonstration of righteousness, of justice. This is a, a, or justified. This is how justification is demonstrated, is revealed, is manifested through the things that you do, through the works. Now, the idea of justified is in Romans 4, and we see a different use of the, of the Greek word there, and it's of the same root, dik ayo, oh, that, that one little addition there means it's already made righteous. It's already declared righteous. So what we're really seeing here is, look, in Romans, they're talking about, look, you're already justified. You're already saved. You're already righteous. Okay? Why? Because of faith. Very clear. Now in James, what we're saying is, look, we want to talk about what righteousness looks like. We want to talk about what justification looks like. We want to talk about what faith looks like. This is a demonstration now of that faith. So that's how the two work together, but are, are, are a little bit different. So they're not in contradiction. They're actually in harmony in the full and complete understanding of what justification by faith means. So let's get back to um, the first explanation that a faith works. The first explanation, beginning at verse 14, what use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Question. Can the works? If a brother or a sister is without clothing, we're going to launch into a, an illustration here, right? So think through it this way. If a brother or sister is without clothing in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed. And be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body. Well, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. And so faith without a lifestyle that matches through works is considered dead. We see an illustration here. The illustration is, well, look, if, if you tell me you're a Christian, if you tell me that the hallmark of Christianity is, is, is love and generosity and um, care and compassion, well, then how is it that I see you walking by the guy on the side of the street every day? 
and you do nothing. You just walk by and go, hey, I'm praying for you. Gotcha. Gotcha covered, right? You don't ever give them a burger. You don't ever invite them to your home, invite them somewhere, feed them. You, you don't do anything. You see that there's not enough clothes. You don't bring a blanket. You don't bring the socks. You don't, you do nothing. You justify that with, you know, your, your one verse, well, if a man doesn't eat, then the work that he doesn't eat, while blowing off the other 500 verses that talk about having compassion. Um, where, 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 what does the word say here? Look, if a brother is without clothing and in need, do something. It's between the lines there. Don't just say go in peace. Be warm and filled. Do something. The, the, the demonstration, the manifestation of your Christ-likeness is, is to display a love and a compassion. When, when Jesus says, follow me, he didn't mean follow me in, in doing miracles, follow me in dying on the cross for people's sins, follow me and having perfect theology. He said, follow me. And you know what he did in every single town, every single city he walked into? He met people at their needs. He blessed them. We call them the mercy missions. And so that's why people in the, in, in the world have said, you know what, because I'm a believer, because I love Jesus and I see uh, people dying in the battlefield, I'm gonna do something about that because they're both they're people, and they're dying, and they're hurt. And so that's how the Red Cross gets started. Ever wonder how the Red Cross got started? Got started because of Christianity, doing something. The YMCA, a place where people need to stay to, to, to have a, a, a meal to eat, started by Christians. Hospitals, schools. Rescue missions, all of those have started because the faith manifests itself in these, these works. Now, if we just sat around and did nothing, what use is that? You know, I, I really stay away from, from serious politics, and I'll try here, but... It'll be fairly obvious. You know, it's real easy to point out a problem, right? That's easy. There's a lot of homeless people in Seattle. Thousands of homeless people in Seattle. Okay. What's the solution? What are you going to do about it? Well, I don't have to do anything. I just point it out. You know what I think you should do? Just throw money at it. Identify the solution or the problem, throw money at it. That's not problem solving. And that's not compassionate Christianity either. Okay? Do something about it. Verse 17 says, if you say you have faith, if you say you're now a follower of Jesus Christ, but you don't have a demonstration of it works, then it's dead Listen, God is, is very precise in his language, in the terms that he uses. When, when he says dead, he means dead. He means 
a lifeless corpse. No value, no life, nothing. If you tell me that you are a believer and you don't have any fruit to show for it, well, then you're just a lifeless corpse. That's what God is saying here. And so the first explanation of faith works is, is well, don't tell me you have faith if, if there's no work that, that follows with it. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. What are we talking about here? So we've talked about fruit. <clears throat> that's not my illustration. That's God's illustration. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 17. I, I, I love this example here. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about, about works, okay? Even so, verse 17, good, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Back to the dead corpse talk, right? So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father, the works, who is in heaven, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What we see here is this illustration of, look, you say you have faith, then I should be able to see your fruit. I should see your fruit. If I see the fruit that's good fruit, that is those good deeds, that is those mercy missions, then I can, I can see that you are demonstrating a genuine faith. If I look at your tree and there's nothing there, it, it's just withered and there's no leaves, there's no green, there's no, no produce on it, and you're trying to convince me that you're a beautiful orange and there's, how would I have any evidence of that at all? There's no evidence. And so that's what we're, we're talking about here. There's faith without this evidence of, or demonstration of works is dead. Again, time out before we get too ahead of ourselves. What we're talking about here is not how we enter into the kingdom of God, okay? The way we enter is James chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 1. Turn with me to James chapter 2, verse 1. This is the start. This is the starting point of, of our salvation, Okay? The starting point is, and you were dead. The wages of sin is death. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formally walked, right? 
That's the old self, old guy. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We are born in iniquity, even as the rest. But, but God, being rich in mercy, mercy, not giving you what you deserve, punishment, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, lifeless corpse, in our sin, in our transgression, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here it is. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. That's how we start. Okay, that's Ephesians 2, 8, not, well, 2, 1 through 9. Okay? So, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. So, we start there. Now, as we are looking at James, now we're looking at James down the path, down the road, and we're saying, okay, now that that's happened, now that by grace you've been saved, now, now that we know that you have faith and it's been reckoned to as righteous, now we're looking at where we are. Where are we? Checkpoint, right? This is a checkpoint. The checkpoint now is, okay, you say you have faith, show me your fruit. We're not talking about getting saved. We're not talking about becoming a Christian at this point. We're talking about what genuine Christianity looks like. Does that make sense? Okay. Second explanation of faith works is faith by my works. Faith by my works. Verse 18. But, but somebody or some wise guy in the back, somebody may say, okay, fine. You have faith. I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And so we see here now that, okay, there's a, there's a question. Well, can it be one or the other? We've got the faith guys. They're awesome faith. And we, we, we got the, the, you know, the works people, right? So you, you're one or the other. No, it's not one or the other. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I just, I, I, I'm not that kind of person. You know, it's my faith. It's personal. It's, it's deep. It's real deep. It's so deep you can't see it, right? That, you, we've heard that before, right? Um, and the other one, you know, all they talk about are the things that they do. Do, 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 works, 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 right? And what do we read in... in Matthew 7, some of those people are just going to, you say you did this, this, and that. I don't even know you. Who are you? You just do stuff. 
do-gooders. There's plenty of people out there in the world who are better than you, nicer than you, sweeter than you, do better stuff than you, more faithful than me. Okay, that has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. And that's the point being made here. But look, faith works is a faith okay, by my works. Okay, it's a, it's a faith. Look, I love this example here. Verse 19. Hey, some say that God is one. That's a great, deep theological point. Most of the world misses this point. This is the starting point. Of, of Christianity, monotheism, the Lord our God is one, and besides him there is no other, right? The great shaman, Deuteronomy. Hey, that, that's, a, that's awesome. You're, here, you're doing great. You understand that God is one. You understand that the triune Godhead, that there's three in one. You understand that Jesus came down and died for it. Whoa, you're the theological giant. Awesome, doesn't save you. Guess what? demons don't ever wonder about that. They're not ever like confused. They know. They know who Jesus is. They've seen Jesus. They believe and they shudder. They're afraid of him. Guess what? That doesn't save them. Think about that for a second. That doesn't save being afraid. Just afraid. That, that doesn't save you. Oh, I'm skidding. No, that doesn't save you. So it's a faith by the works. By the works. Well, how, how does that... Again, look, well, we're supposed to have a response. The cause and effect of grace. The cause and effect. That through faith, there's an effect. That there's types of fruit. Gratitude, right? We understand. 1 Corinthians 10.31 that whether we eat or drink or whatever it is we do, we give glory to God. Why? Because to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Duty, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to love and obey, John 14, 15. We, we surrender, we, we deny ourselves and, and, and take up our own cross, Matthew 16. We become willing slaves of righteousness, Romans 6.18. This is the harmony. It reminded me of, you know, again, you know, you get the idea here that says, well, you know, the, the faith, it's, it's, it's deep, it's hidden. You know, it's a guy-girl thing, maybe. You know, men say, I love you, right? I love you. I told you I loved you. Women want to see that you love me. Take out the trash. <laughs> this is what love is. Taking out the trash without complaining. Right? Putting the seat down or up, whichever way you want it. Okay? It's, you got to do both. It's a harmony. Well, the third explanation of faith works is faith working with works. Verse 20. But if you're willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless, do you understand that as we're at the checkpoint right now, if you say you have faith and you don't have works, you're like a dead corpse. It's just there's, there's no use to it. There's no function. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 22, 
you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteous. Now, last week, we just saw this beautiful, amazing display of faith by Abraham. Abraham takes his son Isaac, his, his son of promise, and he takes him. Why? Because God tells him, go take your son Isaac and offer him up. In obedience, by faith, Isaac does this. This is what we just learned. We fully understand and comprehend because we studied it last week, right? That it was by faith that Abraham did that. By faith. And that's what was reckoned to him as righteous. And then... And then also, God re-solidified the promise that he had made to Abraham because of his faith. The Abrahamic covenant didn't happen because Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. The Abrahamic covenant happened in Genesis 12 and was repeated over and over again. That was just a solid affirmation then of his faith working with his works. It was a demonstration of, of and a perfection and a result. His faith was so strong and then the result was that he was willing to do that. And we saw the beautiful example of how it was God who provided the sacrifice with the ram caught in the thicket. But by faith, Abraham was willing. And if you remember in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11, we also learn that Abraham, in his thinking and processing this, was thinking, you know what? I don't know why God wants me to sacrifice my son. I don't know what the deal is, but you know what? My God will raise him from the dead if I do. That was what he was thinking. We know that because the scriptures say it wasn't, he wasn't thinking, God will provide a ram that will get stuck in the thicket. God will provide a bunch of young men that will run up and have, you know, lambs in their, in their satchels. He, by faith, fully believed, I'm going to kill my son. And God's going to raise him up from the dead. Wow. That's faith working with works. It's a combination, both working together. Working together. Well, the final explanation of faith works is faith is justified by works. Verse 24. Verse 24. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Remember, justified doesn't mean saved. This is the demonstration of his justification. Okay, the demonstration of genuine faith. How do we know that a prostitute who's from a foreign country who says, I believe in the God of, of, of Israel. How do we know she believes? How do we know? Verse 25, and in the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified, demonstrated, demonstrated 
by her works. When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way, she said, I'm on Team Israel. When Team Israel came to her in need, she proved, I'm on Team Israel. Right? Demonstrating her genuine faith. Verse 26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And so we see here that there's this, this, this harmony. There's this harmony of, of how faith, genuine, real Christian faith will will be identified, manifested, revealed with fruit, with the right kind of fruit. Now, it doesn't mean that all our fruit trees are going to look the same, right? Some, some are just little baby, beautiful baby little saplings, right? Just a, a little, little guy. And it's, there's not even fruit, but you can see Oh, it's in good shape. Oh, look at that. Look at the structure. It's coming along nicely. Right? Others, it's, it's, the, it's the first crop. It's the first time you, the tree yields anything. And you're just happy it looks like an orange at all. You don't even care what it tastes like. But over time, after all that effort, after all the, 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 the toil, you expect that tree to grow bigger and fuller and juicier and flourish, right? And not all rotten with worms and rats and whatever else gets in the orange trees. You take care of it. You take care of it. Is it a, is it a fruit tree? Yeah, it's a fruit tree. Are you taking care of it? Eh. Passive. Take care of it. Your faith, your faith, while it only needs to be razor thin. I'm, I'm blown away by reading the Old Testament. And when I come across somebody like a Rahab, what did she know? What did she know? She didn't know much. She couldn't read. She didn't have the Old Testament. She didn't have the New Testament. She didn't have anything. All she knew was, you know, of all these gods, the Baal, the Molex, uh, the child sacrifice, and the God of Israel, that God of Israel, man, that is a powerful God. That God wins and beats all the other gods all the time. And those Israelites, they look weird and strange and don't eat bacon, but they're different. They're different. They stand out. You know, I don't know everything. Oh. I, I'm, I'm going to put my faith, my confidence, my, my assurance in that. That's faith. That's all you need. That's all you need. It doesn't have to be this deep theological thing. In fact, as we've toured through here, the Bible has told us it doesn't have to be that. Matthew 7 told us that. James, it's not about all your knowledge. But as we grow in our faith, we, we should see that a genuine faith, a genuine faith will have works. 
people in this room have been confessing Christ for way too long to not have fruit, right? Um, and so it reminds me of the, the story of, of uh, Alexander. Alexander the Great, you know, he's a great general, conquered you know, most of the world. And there's this, this legendary story about, you know, a, a young man who, in, in the face of battle, he turns around and he runs away, right? He goes the other way. He's a coward. And so they bring him before Alexander's throne. And they say, okay, first thing Alexander wants to know is that Alexander wants to know his name. He's like, what's your name, son? And, you know, sheepishly, he looks up and says, my name's Alexander. And this great statement, either change your name or change your ways. But you can't run around calling yourself Alexander and being a coward because that's my name, right? You can't run around calling yourself a Christian and live like this because that's my name. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. We follow him. We follow him by faith, a simple faith, a little faith. You, you don't have to be Billy Graham. Um, but you do have to have a combination now of your faith working with your works. Remember, don't ever forget don't ever forget, and remember to me, don't ever forget, this is why we take communion, that somebody died for you. The, the basic gospel that Jesus Christ died after being crucified on the cross, was buried and rose again, and by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and was raised from the dead, that is the simple faith. Now live it. Now live it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so 